not bring, uh, I mean, working through uh, the, what began as seven spirits we need to conquer, and we grew to another one, now there are eight of them. And on Wednesday night, and remember all our programs are in YouTube, in, uh, in Facebook, they could be in Facebook, they could be in the platforms uh, that you enjoy. And uh, so on Wednesday, I covered this, the Herod spirit. And uh, today now, what I'm addressing uh, is the final for now of the series we have been through uh, after covering uh, how we break free from the spirit of Egypt. And all you remember about the bondage that the children of Israel were subjected to uh, in harsh conditions. God is able to liberate us, cause us to break away from the spirit of Egypt. We spoke about breaking the, from the spirit of Pharaoh, breaking free from the spirit of Adam. And uh, one of the things that you always remember about Adam is the spirit that delays or prolongs your journey. Arrogantly saying you cannot uh, get uh, what you want. Uh, then we address this uh, breaking from the spirit of Midianite, that which targets your harvest just before you harvest, uh, just before you have a breakthrough uh, in, the, in maybe the uh, approvals of your papers uh, in college, something, your computer breaks down, that's the Midianite spirit. Then we address this, uh, the spirit of Assyria. Uh, this is also a terrible spirit uh, that we did address that also uh, stands on the way of some of the things that you desire to do. And uh, all these things, all these messages, including the spirit of Baram, uh, we have already, uh, they, they, they are all there. And every yoke of Assyria uh, when it can only be properly dealt with in the power of the spirit because it's a spirit that uh, works to terrorize destinies and brought threats to force you to give in. Uh, and all these are in message form, whether you want it on video, on DVD, you can be able to get it. And for members of this church, uh, you get all this at a, at a very, very subsidized cost. Today we address the spirit uh, of the Philistines, the spirit of the Philistines. And there are several things we're going to be looking at, and I believe it's going to be a great blessing uh, I want us to open to the Word of God, the Bible, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7, and verse number 10, as we begin. Uh, I hope that I'll be able to cover more ground than I did in the previous service, uh, uh, so that we can be able to have, and anybody that misses this out for any reason, it's all going to be something that goes out in its unedited form in our platforms, uh, even as we preach. First Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 10. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistine drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistine that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And I want you to understand the same way God did it regarding his people Israel, he is doing the same as it touches you. God has committed to thunder against those that stand against what he, 
uh, he has in store for you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, you will notice uh, even in, an, in, a, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5, you see the Philistines gathered together to fight against Israel. So the spirit of the Philistines, or the Philistine spirit, is the spirit that wars against you. It's a spirit that fights every fightable thing to disadvantage you. I submit to you that this spirit will fight, oppose your leadership, oppose your marriage, oppose or fight against your, the interests of your business, fight against peace in your mind, in your spirit, fight against your children or disadvantage your children. This is a, the spirit that wars against God's people. And we are God's people. But the good thing is that God has given us a promise. It's good to appreciate that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 10 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And some of the translation says the weapons of your, your, of your fight against the enemy are not carnal. Your weapons are mighty through God to pull down the strongholds. And uh, we have taken time sometimes to explain, but I think it's worth mentioning from time to time. When we talk about strongholds, what are we talking about? Because sometimes when you talk about strongholds, there are people who do not fully understand uh, the, the meaning, what are we talking, what are we uh, referencing as strongholds? And, and I like uh, a certain uh, description of these strongholds that I feel that it should be the interest, this is Second Corinthians chapter number 10, should interest all of us to understand because uh, many people have never, when you talk about strongholds, they just imagine of what are these things but uh, the, the, it is important to know that a stronghold and listen to me and this is something you can write down uh, uh, if you can capture the issues that I raise here that a stronghold is a satanically energized argument designed to destroy you and remember as we talk about this the Philistine spirit which fights against you it could be in a form of a satanically energized argument designed to destroy us or broke God's kingdom purpose in our lives. And I want you to understand that the stronghold can be as simple as having a false notion that God will not do the things he has said he will do. Do you know a lot of battles happen in our minds? And that is why you must surrender the entirety of your, of your life to the Lord. I was listening not long ago, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the gentlemen I listened to from time to time, uh, because uh, I've been a student of some of the materials, you may he's already diseased, is Miles Monroe. And Miles Monroe said something that is so significant about what prosperity means. And he spoke about prosperity 
uh, of uh, the prosperity uh, that is so key and the best wealth you can have is spiritual prosperity. And spiritual prosperity is wealth in your relationship with God. That is the greatest wealth you can have. Your closeness with God, your intimacy with God. But it goes further to talk about the other uh, prosperity is what happens within your physical being, and that is your health. And I'm reminded of the scripture that says uh, in, in the epistle of John that it's God's desire that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the prosperity of your spiritual way of being is also related with your physical way of being. And you need to understand there are certain conditions of sickness you can avoid just because you are rich towards God and you do not allow yourself to be devastated and destroyed by anxiety, by unforgiveness, by resentment. All these things work against our way of being. So when you talk about wealth, wealth includes your physical health. And you need to appreciate that this is also a promise. But is it something that is so critical also about the wealth that touches on your soul, touches on your, on your intellect, touches on your emotions? And these are things, because remember, we are tripartite. We have the, soul, we have the body, which is the physical. Then we have the soul, the soul part of our lives, which is the intellect, uh, our emotions, and our, and our volitions, our will. And then we have the spirit. So the first wealth that is critical is wealth that is spiritual. Then, of course, the physical is also important, that you are whole in body. And then you are also within your, within your knowledge, you are also wealthy because you are well-read, you are well-taught, and all these constitutes. Of course, there are other forms of wealth that I encourage people to consider. Uh, and, and, and this is not the main subject today, but just to mention, maybe I'll be revisiting some other time, is also wealth that you enhance through relationships. And that is the social capital. That is why in Deliverance Church Langata, we encourage you to belong to a small group. And we give you the liberty to choose people you can be meeting every Sunday and, and sharing your personal experience, your personal work with God, and that is what enhances your social capital. And let me go back to the subject, but that's a very, very interesting subject I would like to revisit uh, about the wealth because there are seven spheres of wealth, and I've just mentioned a few, but I'm going to be revisiting. But let's, going back to our subject about, uh, the, you know, satanically, energized argument that target your soul because that soul is where your intellectual aspect is and um, the, 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 it can be as simple as having the false inner belief that God will not do the things that he has promised to do. Any inner belief or thought that limits or blocks us from being what God created us to be is a stronghold. 
And these strongholds can be pulled down. And today, we're going to be pulling down the strongholds associated with the Philistine spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, the Philistines do not just oppose you in the physical. And therefore, when you deal with the spirit of the Philistines, when they oppose you in the physical, we need to go behind the scene and engage in the supernatural fervent prayer. The Bible says an effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. One of the greatest discoveries, you and I, as believers, is the knowledge that the battle is not ours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Our responsibility is to enforce the victory by standing up for what we believe. In 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and verse 47, and that all this assembly may know. This is something that is so critical that when David was facing the uh, Goliath, and that is a big account, and uh, even that is too far f- into where we need to be looking at, uh, if we can just visit 1 Samuel chapter 17, because I'm going to refer to several things about that. 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, if all of us can find ourselves there, this is a very great account, and I liked always teaching about this. It gives me a lot of inspiration to talk about this situation, about the champion, being a champion for God. And we find David. David goes to liberate and to deliver Israel from the shame they were subjected to. By, because of what Goliath was doing. And, and we had just looked at that, 17.10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. That's 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 10. And when Saul and Israel heard these words, of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of, uh, of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. Now, the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone forth uh, had, had, had gone to follow Saul to battle. The names which were Ariab, the firstborn, then Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three older, oldest uh, followed Saul. Now, but David occasionally went and returned. But the, the, what is critical to say because of the interest of time is that David, when he came, felt so disturbed that the whole of the army of Israel were intimidated by one man who, was, who kept telling them, give me one man from you. If he fights me, we shall be your servants. But if I fight him, you Israel will be our servants. And then this young fellow comes around and he happened to hear in a conversation about 
the promise that the king saw had made in regard to whoever would beat the giants. And I want you to understand in verse 20, this says, Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistines of God, Goriath by name coming from the armies of the Philistines, and uh, he spoke according to the same uh, words, so David heard them. So, is, uh, so he has heard, continue. Let's move on to the next verse. Then as he talked with them, oh, okay, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, what did they do? Come on, what did they do? They fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. They were not just afraid, but, you know, they were dreadfully afraid. Verse 15. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy the Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and his father's house will be exempted of taxes in Israel. That's a great deal. That's a promise that the king has already made. If anybody would defeat this giant, three things will happen. He's going to be, he's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of wealth released to him. Then, not just wealth, but the king has promised to give the daughter. And by you taking the daughter of the king, then it means you have joined the royal family. Then not only that, all your families will be exempted from tax. But then when we find David coming around to reason, the person who he faces immediately to oppose him is his own elder brother. And he disdained him by asking, what have you come to do? Have you come to watch the battle? Blessed be the name of the Lord that David had not come to watch. He had come to do what? To fight. The Bible does record that this young, this, this gentleman who was older was trying this area but his eldest brother had when he spoke to the men. And his anger was aloused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left? The few, continue. You have left those few sheep in the wilderness. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come to see the battle. This is an attitude of a condescending person. The people, I don't know that you have ever met people who look down on you, who, who only would like to tell you what you can't do, who would like to say that, you know, uh, they, they have a very negative attitude. And that was Ariam, the, apparently the one who was the oldest, older than David. And David said, what have I done? All he did ask when this gentleman was having this attitude was to say, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Why should I not be disturbed when the entirety of the armies of God are defiled, defied by their circumcised Philistines? David said, what have I done? Continue, continue on. Uh, okay. Then he turned from him. 
Hallelujah. There are, there are, you know, he turned from him towards another. I want to tell you something. There are people you need to turn away from. Do you hear what I say? That there are people you turn away from. Because there's no value they are adding to you. If somebody, every time you meet, all they do is to tell you how useless you are, how much you cannot do, you will never, you never amount up to anything, please don't give them time. Don't allow anybody to destroy your dream. So what did David do? do? He turned, turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And this will hurt him as the first one did. Continue. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. And we find to move quickly because of time. Saul, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Talking about who? Goriath. Let no man's heart fail because of Goriath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And then we find, continue, Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a, young, you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's ship, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after eight and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. That is what you call a testimony. What is that? A testimony. Do you have a testimony of victories that God has given you? Do you have something you can share with anybody and tell them, hey, listen, I know I'm dealing with this giant, but I know this is not the first one. I've dealt with some before, and God prevailed for me. Then he said, I, after, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. So, so, and when the, it's a rose against me, that's now, he was talking about a lion, a bear. These are testimonies that he had. Do you have a testimony? Because a testimony does glorify the Lord. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the giants, the common giants. And I need to, and time is moving so quickly, and I need to cover some grounds here. Uh, I, I, I don't have even time to describe to the, the kind of armory that Goliath had. But I want to talk about some of the Goliaths that we deal with. Because we may not be talking about physical Goliaths, but there are other situations significant to Goliaths. Without question, Goliath was a fierce-looking, fierce trash-rocking, massive-killing machine who struck terror in the hearts of the opponents. Are you facing some Goliaths today? In this case, I'm not even talking about the natural Goliath. I want to ask you a question. Is it living? Could there be people here who are living from check to check? You just live from one check, paycheck to another paycheck. 
Could that be your situation? Could that be, could you also be a person who is barely making your ends meet? Could you be unemployed or underemployed? Could you be having someone you love who is addicted to drugs or alcohol? Could your spouse be unfaithful to you, either in word or in deed? How are you dealing with these giants? Are you making the typical response? What was the typical response? Is that they, they, would, they were freeing and running away. I want you to capture what was in David. Because David had a special anointing. And David discovered that the person who God gave Goliath, of course we have already referred to the things that he, this person was going to be given. So, I want to very quickly bring to your attention and what should be our attitude is what is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 26 where we find David making a very profound statement when he said, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy, defy armies of the living God. That's the kind of attitude you should have. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And so very quickly, I want to bring to your attention within the balance of this time, seven keys to defeating the giants in your life. And I need to move quickly to cover the seven. Show up for the battle, ready to fight. That's the number one. Show up for the battle, ready to fight. Sometimes you don't get to pick the place or the time, but you must always be ready. Must always be ready. That's, there are four things that are listed in relation to your readiness to face the enemy. First one is sometime we must take the fight to the enemy. We don't, want, we don't want the enemy to come so that we are defending ourselves. We can take the fight to the enemy. Yeah. Then, you know, if we do that, we should have an expectation that the enemy will take will return even that which he has taken from us. You have to expect the return of what belongs to you, plus a restitution. So there are times in life when the enemy takes what belongs to you, he will steal your income, he will steal your family member, he can steal your time, and he can even steal your health. Maybe you are here and you are not feeling well. Your health is already threatened. There'll be times life, in life when the enemy takes what, what is so precious to you. But you must be determined to aggressively resist the devil. Now, 
you must be ready to battle in season and out of season. Yes, you must be willing to resist and fight the enemy of your inheritance in season and out of season. Then last in, the, in that point number one, remember you will never win a battle you don't show up for. And one of the things we need to discover is that when you go through a battle and God gives you victory, that becomes your testimony to encourage other people who may be going through similar situations. Number two, don't run from the battle. I said don't run from the battle. First Samuel 17, 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid, before criticizing the people who fled, let me ask you a very simple question. When you are facing an enemy, do you run from the battle? A question, ignoring a problem will never make it go or lessen the intensity of the battle you are facing. Running in the midst of a, of a firefight with the devil will either make you a prisoner or a casualty, but never a victor. You can't run away. Someone once said, if you want to be the leader of a band, you must be willing to face the music. I like the scripture in the book of Psalm 118 and verse number 6. It says, God's now at my side and I'm not afraid. Who would dare lay a hand on me? How about that? That God is now at my side. That's a message Bible in that passage, Psalm 118 and verse number 6. Number three, don't be afraid. Fear brings torment. I say fear brings torment. If you are facing difficult, seemingly impossible financial or other attacks of the enemy, you can take comfort in the knowledge that you are not alone. And we need to believe the promises that God has given us. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it is true, he never leaves us. He is there all the time. Even when you don't feel like he is there, he is there. Blessed be the name of the Lord. With God by your side, there's no reason to fear or even doubt the outcome of the battle. Zephaniah chapter number 3 verse 15 in the Amplified Bible. But then it will be that the Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has cast out your enemy, the king of Israel, even the Lord himself, in, is in the midst of you. After he has come to you, you shall not experience or fear evil anymore. There are 44 times in the King James Version of the Bible where we are told not to be afraid. And there are 66 times in the, in the New Living Translation where the scripture says, don't be afraid. Let's look at, you, at the at, at four keys, verses 
uh, of the 44 in the King James Version. Second uh, Kings chapter 1 verse 15 says, be not afraid of him. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 1, be not afraid of them for the Lord thy God is with thee. Listen, repeat it again. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 15. Thus says the Lord unto you, be not, uh, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. Mark 5, 36 says, be not afraid, only believe. Now, these four verses tell us that, tell us not to be afraid, but to only believe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I want to say with God on our side, we are safe. Hebrews 13 verse 6 says in the Amplified Bible, so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. Can you tell yourself, what can man do to me? Fear brings torment. Don't be destroyed by fear. I think it's T.L. Osborne who wrote a small book that said that a very, very big percentage of the things we are afraid of actually never, never happen. So you're living in fear, but what you are feeling will not even ever happen. When you allow fear to consume you, you fight from a position of defeat. But when you are given to courage, you fight from a position of victory. Especially knowing that it's God who has promised to fight your battles. And you can trust God in the promise that he has given. Because it is a promise. And our God is a promise keeper. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, number four, don't worry about what other people may think. There are other people, all they worry about is what will people think, what will people say. And sometimes what we forget is that people are so consumed with so many things that very few people may be thinking about you. <laughs> I, I know sometimes you don't like to think that. But you, you need to understand that sometimes you are wondering what people will think, but people are not even thinking about you. But you are anxious. What will people say? Sometimes people will say nothing. Don't worry about other people, what other people will think. In the final analysis, no one else can fight your battles. No one else can take your praise on judgment day. You and you alone are accountable for what you do or don't do. You are accountable for what you do or don't do. Other people may face a shortage of money, opportunities, courage, wisdom, but there is only one area where they never experience a shortage. 
that isn't an opinion of what you should or should not do. Many people, what they feel and they face is fear. We've already examined about First Samuel chapter 17 when we were talking about David's eldest brother, Eliab, and how he gets angry just because he has seen David coming there. How would you even get angry that your brother has come? And then you start insulting them. I know your pride. I know <laughs> your pride and deceit. You want to see the battle, how wrong he was. It's important that you understand that other people's motivation may be wrong. And they may say something hurtful, like what Ariab did to David. But it's critically important that you never allow their opinion to determine what you do. Don't allow their opinion to influence you. In life, there may be times when you, like David, will ask, what have I done now? The attitude and action of others may not be so much as to what you're doing. As to what they are not doing. Consider the words of Colossians 3.23. Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul or something done for the Lord, uh, and your, uh, or something done for the Lord, and not for men. That is our attitude. Remember, it's not important. It's not important what other people think. What is critically important is what you are going to do with the opportunities that God gives to you. Amen. So, then the next thing is that you need to choose the weapons. Number five, choose the weapons. There are three things you should know when it comes to choosing your weapons. Get rid of anything that does not work for you. And this is very, very significant. Eliminate anything that does not, anything that can be weaknesses or that will restrict your movement and possibilities of success. That's what happens uh, as we see that Saul had his own military clothes and armor for David. And he gave to David uh, a bronze a helmet and, uh, and David strapped on the sword and tried to walk around, but he was not used to the wearing of this. I cannot move with all this stuff, David said. I just, I am just not used to it. Well, King Saul's armor did, didn't weigh as much as what God had had. It generally agreed, it was generally agreed by his students that his armor weighed weight, away between one and two hundred pounds. You've never been used to wearing that much gear. It will be very heavy, unimaginable. It can be such a road. So we find you need to fight with what you know. And that's what David did. After he tried that and he realized he couldn't move, he put it off and he said, I will go the way I know. And that's why he looked for five smooth stones. And remember, he started by saying the battle belongs to the Lord. 
All he needed was to enforce. That's why we have one of the greatest accounts that we find in the word of God. When this Philistine is coming against David. And David said, the Lord God, of course he has said, the one who delivered me from the paw of the bear, he will, he will deliver, he will deliver me from this Philistine. And I like what David, what Saul did after David told him this. He told him something that we should always tell each other. Go, and the Lord be with you. Go, and the Lord be with you. Instead of discouraging somebody, what should you tell them? Go, and the Lord be with you. We don't retreat at any times. We always go forward with the confidence that the Lord is with us. So in this account, of course, we have seen fight something that will work for you. Pray to your strength. That's what we see that is in B. And David, of course, removed the armor and he picked his shepherd's stick and he went out to the stream and picked five smooth rocks and put them in his leather bag. Then with a sling in his hand, he went straight to Goliath. David's weapon of choice wouldn't work for anybody else but him. But that's okay because he was the only one headed to the battle. See, you have weapons that can defeat every foe. And we have already referred to that scripture in the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter number 10. And I like what the scripture says in the Message Bible of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6 says, the world is unprincipled. It's a dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, the ne never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers, elected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at the hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience to maturity. Yeah, but if you read it from the New King James Version, the same Bible maybe will be clearer to, 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 to us if I can just walk through it very quickly. Second Corinthians chapter number 10, from verse number 3 to 6, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, uh, mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold, casting down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 
bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. That is the position. That is our portion. Number six, which is the last one. I need to bring this out and then we're going to be wrapping up. And maybe the worship team can be taken to their position. Understand the rewards of winning. Understand the rewards of winning. Never make any mistake about it. The battle that you are facing is for territory. For the reward God has promised you. First Samuel 17. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Come up, surely, to defile Israel. And the king promise is repeated. We have said it before. This man, a lot of wealth, whoever defeats Goriath, a lot of wealth will be given to them. They will get the king's daughter. And family will be exempt of tax. That burden. David discovered the weapons... Uh, the, 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 David discovered the person who killed Goliath would be given three things. We have already referred to that. Actually, there's another point, which is number seven. Do something with what is in your hand. President Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have, where you are. If, you, know, you shouldn't always start where you are with, uh, you should always, rather, you should always start where you are with what you go, you've got at the moment. David chose five smooth stones. He didn't choose someone else's weapon. He chose what he knew would work. And for you and I, we must understand what was very fundamental about David's defeat against the Philistine was his attitude. Here he sees a man that was so tall and he just was a young person. But he looked at him and could not take, he, you know, he refused to be intimidated. This is some of the conversations that are there. You can see this, this giant was really, really out to want to intimidate him. It was not, it was quite a tough conversation that was taken between them. Very serious conversation taking place. But David refused to bend. Amen? I said David refused to bend. He was very, very clear about what God had promised. And in the whole account, as, the, as he, he approaches this, uh, this, this uh, giant, this giant intimidates him, said, why do you come with me with the stakes? And he threatens him. But for the first time, and I believe for the first time, Goriath was able to communicate to, to, this, uh, to this particular uh, giant what this giant had not heard from anyone before. And I believe, you know, I believe with all my heart that what David communicated 
shocked the giant because when you hear something you have not heard before, it scares you. Here's a young man coming so courageous and telling you that your head is going to be meat to the birds of the air. That all the world may know as a God in Israel. And when you fight against the Philistines, it's not for your glory. It's for God's glory. But you need the courage like with what we fight going on here. David said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Listen, he had this for the first time. Yeah? Move on to the next verse. This day. When? This day. The Lord will do what? Deliver you to my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I'll give the carcasses of the, of the, of the, uh, of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That the earth may know. What was the objective? Glorifying God. When God would trust that you're, only, you're going to give him glory for what he does, be ready to see the victories that God will give you. Because David was about to glorify God. That the world may know there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Verse, the next verse. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord. And he will give you into my hands. Amen. Let us stand up on our feet. So it was when the Philistine, continue. The Philistine arose and came and drew as near to, the, to meet David. That David hurried and ran towards the army. To meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and, the, and, and he slung it and struck the Philistines in his forehead so that the stone sank unto his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. And the Bible says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistines and killed him. But there was no sword in his heart. So what happened? Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistines, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head. And when he, the Philistines saw that the, the champions were dead, they fled. And of course we saw how Israel ran after them and the slaughter against them was great. Why? Because it was a demonstration that the battle belongs to God. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want to pray that we take us some time to battle as we wrap up this sermon. And I want to ask for those of you who are in this sanctuary today, are there people who have been threatened by the spirit of the Philistine? The spirit of the Philistine. 
that there are people be here today you know that the devil is fighting your family the devil has fought against your health battle with your children maybe in rebellion or you have somebody who is in drug abuse whatever it is say the spirit of the Philistine fights against everything spirit, the spirit of war it fights everything fightable to fight oppose your marriage your business your peace your children and if there's somebody here who says I need to be prayed for because I'm dealing with these situations I want to break free from the spirit of the Philistines if you are the one that is there I want you to come and stand in this altar right now by faith. We're going to do some battle before we are done here today. If you know there are things you are dealing with, just come and stand here. We join our hearts and our faith to wage warfare against the spirit of the Philistines. Talking about you, just walk here. You know it. It's your life. These are real things. don't have to continue in oppression. You don't have to continue in fear. Come by faith. Come by faith. Continue, continue. Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. Come on, say it proudly. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I overthrow all transactions contrary to my breakthrough. Every power charming answers to my prayers. Would you disappear in the name of Jesus by the blood of the Lamb? I shake off the spirit of the Philistine that fights against my progress, that fights against my marriage, that fights against the welfare of my children, that fights against my stability. I break free. I reject the power of satanic human government. Over my finances, in the name of Jesus, this day I liberate myself from any occultism, from any any spirit of witchcraft, from any spells thrown against me, in the name of Jesus. I declare, I declare that those who have used the power, used the power of the enemy against me will face the wrath of God. I decree and hold all powers of wickedness against my life. I turn the tables against every sorcerer. Against my employment, against my business, in the name of Jesus, I declare in this altar, here at the Deliverance Church Langata, that no witch or wizard will prosper in the place of my employment, will interfere with my business or work. All satanic power can no longer kidnap my spirit. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare great casualties upon those that rise against my progress. 
in the name of Jesus, right now, my prayers have become earthquakes and storms. Storms in the camp of the devil that has been fighting against my progress. The Lord shall gather his armor against the powers that are against me. Anything against my, my, my mental stability and growth. Anything that was against my health. I destroy it in the name of Jesus. Any conspiracy, whether associated with my ancestors or anybody connected to me, I break loose from them and I declare I'm free in Christ. I'm free in Christ. Victory belongs to the Lord. And I belong to the Lord. Therefore, I go out of that sanctuary, knowing that my life is covered and that I will experience the power of God every step of the way. Nothing destined for victory in my life will be interfered with. All that God has in store for me, all the inheritance that belongs to me, is reinstated this day. And I embrace it by faith. And I confess it by faith. In Jesus' name. Come on, come on, let us celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Lord, there are things we have confessed here today that can only be established by your power. And that's why I pray for every brother, every sister that is standing here. I disconnect them from any form of authorities and influences. I appeal to the court of heaven to, to declare them free from any oppression, anything connected to them through their bloodlines. From this day, they connect to the blood covenant of Christ. And they are free to inherit everything that you have designated for them. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let us celebrate what the Lord has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I said, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, for victory to be obtained... There are walls that must be broken. And that's what we have done in that prayer. We have broken down walls. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you pray against those people that fight you, you fight by your declarations of faith. And you hold firm to what God has promised. Amen? So you have begun doing this, continue doing that. And remember, it is God who said. Can you return that scripture that we began with about the thundering so that they can confess it one more time as before I release them from here? This is the first scripture we read. How God has promised to thunder against the enemies. 
Are you with me? Can you read that out? Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered. What did the Lord do? Yes, that's what the Lord has done today. He has thundered. I, yes, upon the Philistines. And you are going to find welfare in God. Hallelujah. This Jamuhuri day you will remember because of the declarations you have made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be that now and forevermore.